We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike Detaya along with Charlie Long. Bobby Bear taking the week off. He'll be back next week uh, getting a little bit of R&R. Uh, as they say, at 7 o'clock tonight, there'll be the Matt McMahon Show. want to tell everybody, 535 this afternoon, Jay Johnson will be on with us, uh, skipper of the LSU Fighting Tigers. And at, uh, I think it's at 620 uh, tonight, we'll have Lisa Stockton on from Tulane, uh, the winningest women's basketball coach in the history of college basketball in the state of Louisiana. We're going to go back to our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. We're going to go to James and Metairie. James, you're in the huddle with Mike and Charlie. Hey, guys, you're doing a great job. Listen, the, the news report stole a little bit of my thunder there about Daniel Jones. I know you're not too keen on it, Mike. but <laughs> no, he's I'm younger, not. No way. He's younger. You don't know way with him. All right, well, let's, let, let's move not, on. Not for, no 40, not for no $40 million. James, there's no, no way no, in no, the no. world. No, 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 way. no, 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 no. He's not. He's not worth that. But, but if he equal the salary that the, the Giants are offering, because the thing about it is, he's doing the same thing. I think in, a, in another way that Carl wants. He wants somebody to to, to make an offer so they can jack the price up. I get it. He's not worth that kind of money. But now this, I don't really believe in Carr as much. I mean, I think Carr and and uh, and the guy that we have now uh, uh, from Cincinnati. They got Andy the same kind of numbers right now. Yeah, they got the same kind of numbers right now. I mean, Carr is better. He's but better. He's not cheaper. He's cheaper, but he's, but he's cheaper. And I don't think he's a long way. But, let me, let me, but James, let me put, your, put yourself, if you're in Dennis Allen's spot, who do, who do you who you yeah, give yeah, the keys got, over to? Okay? Because if he – okay, he got a mulligan this year. Okay, the first right. year he comes in. That won't be no second. That's not going to be another. Yeah, right. well, that's not going to be another yeah. chance for him. He's got to. He knows he's got to win in the weakest division in the NFL today. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. 110 percent. And and, I, and we we need to. We should win this division. There should be no excuses. Even if he, even if Carl goes someplace else in, in in his division, we should still win this division. But what I also want to mention was um, the LSU cornerback Peterson. I know he wants to get. They, they, they're not going to sign him. I think he's out there, and uh, and also got second at the tight end. Uh, I can see Peterson wanted because he really wanted to come here a few years ago, right? So yes, he I did. And actually, uh, Coach Payton actually got on a private plane, flew to Arizona to talk to Mike Bidwell uh, about making that trade. It was right before the trade deadline, 
And uh, Bidwell, I think at first had maybe some thoughts about dealing Patrick. But then at the end, it came down to, no, I'm going to keep him. Uh, Patrick's getting up in age. I I thought he played pretty well this year, to be honest with you. Uh, Not a lot of cornerbacks at his age can play at that level. On a bad Minnesota defense. On a bad uh, Minnesota defense. That's why Brian Flores is there now to try to cure that. But they need players, too. Um, I I think Patrick uh, may wait this out a little bit and see kind of where it shakes. And I think that's the Saints' philosophy if you go back into – kind of the background of what Mickey Loomis uh, has done in the past. He's been one quick big signee, and that may be at quarterback this year, then sort of let the market settle down and then go for free agents maybe five, eight, nine days later. I don't think you're going to see this team make a, a huge splash. Now, they do, it would be to sign Carr. But then after that, what else you have uh, to play with? Defensive tackle is a concern for me, James. I, I'm just honest so, with you. Major. So, 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 Mike, so, Mike, so, Mike, let me just ask you real quick. Philly, Philly has got a boatload of players that's going to be out there. They got a couple of guards. They got this one guard, I think, that they, they, I don't think they could fit him in. Um, I like to get a Philly guard. And let me just ask you this. The, uh, Philly has this, I call it a rugby alignment. I would really like to see Taysom do that. I mean, the Super Bowl, I would you know, too. Fourth and one. Yeah, I would really like to see that. I they may, they may. I don't. I think I talked to some guys. I hear some people saying that it should be illegal, but I don't see why. But I mean, if we if we bulk up that line, I can't ever see us losing a fourth and one with uh, a fourth and inches or anything with that rugby type of lineman. And I'm just really frustrated because. I know I heard Drew talk the other day on uh, another radio or was serious or something. He was saying that, uh, you know, he is still stealing plays, like offensive plays. And I don't see how this coaching staff doing that. I mean, we need to steal plays and, and make it fit the, 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 the team that we have available now. That's what Sean did. And, you know, I, I hope, I'm hopeful that this season we'll get some plays that are designed for Taysom to accentuate his running game and also to get some power backs that'll make the running game a lot smoother. Thanks for taking my call, guys. James, I, I agree with you. Now, I've heard a lot of defensive players complain, man, that should be outlawed, that rugby play. But I haven't heard anybody in any major position say that. I I've heard the it from ups on the lines for those plays where you see how low the offensive line gets and how the defensive line tries all they can to get under, but they can't do it. Man, come on, they just it. wedge forward, and then Jalen Hurts, it's the easiest shard of his life. And, and so for a lot of quarterbacks that can run the ball, and we got a host of them now in the NFL, that half a yard, yard on that type play. It's going to happen a lot. It's going to happen a lot. Listen, uh, we ain't reinventing the wheel in football. No. I mean, okay, you might do a play out of a different formation or a little different set, but you're not doing anything different. I mean, the NFL is what it is. It's a copycat league. Everybody sort of does it. What I saw today with the run and shoot, today I see today with the RPO system. It's, it's similar, very similar. Just a little bit of a variance on how you line up your players. And so that that wasn't man RPO. Oh my God, that that's really uh, uh 
something that's out of the blue. No, it's not. If you go back about 15, 20 years, they were doing that. I remember when Bobby came out, uh, June Jones and, man, Miles Davis had that at Portland State mm-hmm. uh, with the run and shoot. And it's variances off of that particular deal. But now – What's so confusing if you're a defensive player and in talking to some of them, they tell me if you're playing linebacker, okay, your first instinct is to get up the field. If you're going to run any RPO-type play, okay, you watching and you see that quarterback sticks the ball in the belly of a running back. And so your first instinct is, let me get up the field. And you know what he can do? He yanks it right out and he throws that pass right over the top of you. Uh, so you caught um, and if you overcommit, and that's why every year when they talk about playing a quarterback who can run the ball pretty well, if it's a Josh Allen, a Mahomes is more of a scrambler. Lamar. He can run, but Lamar, what we see with Jalen Hurts, it's staying in your lanes because if you get out of that, they're going to burn you, absolutely yeah. burn you. James was talking a little bit about copying like that play that – Jalen Hurts is so efficient at with the fourth and ones that the Eagles were so confident in that they ran multiple times in the Super Bowl. But what about the Chiefs side of things? There were some plays that the Chiefs ran that looked really, really fascinating where they would use this ghost motion and get guys, receivers, high school open, as you would say, Mike, yeah. in the red zone. Well, they saw it on film, Charlie, uh, and uh, Chad Henney talked about it after the game in interviews and that they saw it on film. Bienemy pointed it out. Look how they're running toward Travis Kelsey. Okay, so you're motioning a couple different people, but, man, my, my, my concern is Kelsey here. Right. Okay, let's double-team him. They left those receivers, I mean, as wide open as you could get. Now, do you have a tight end? Now, the 49ers could run that. And other teams could run it if you have that T.J. Hushmanzada, uh, excuse me, uh, Hawkinson. Uh, Hawkinson uh, now with Minnesota, they can run those t- sort of plays. But you have to have a tight end that can draw that double coverage. And you saw every time they put him in motion, man, it was like magnets. Two of them on him, and they have a wide open receiver. And I'm talking about he was beyond high school open. Yeah. I mean, he was beyond that particular point. No one within like 10 yards of him. And like Sky Moore, and I think, who was the other one that caught one? It wasn't Juju, was it? Juju Smith-Schuster? I'm trying to remember. I know it was Sky for Sky sure. Sky caught his first one. That, that's why I remember. But they had a couple plays in the red zone where they were just able to draw Philly's defense, as you were saying, to Travis Kelsey. And with some motion, they were able to get these guys. like. Just- that's why, Charlie, I really believe, man, if you can get yourself a really good tight end, and this draft class is loaded. They have as many top 50 tight ends as I can remember in this draft class. That is going to open up so many things in the secondary. Not all of them are going to be, certainly uh, Kelsey, not all of them uh, are going to be TJ Hawkinson type players. uh, Those guys, and I think Pitts, if he's healthy in Atlanta, I think he's got a chance to be something special also that they draw not only single coverage but double coverage and bracket, and it opens up if you go three receivers in the tight end. You know, that seems to be a position that's been a weakness for this team for the last few years. Do you think that they would look at potentially using pick 29 on a tight end? I don't know about 29, but maybe that second round 40? pick. 40? I don't know. Yeah, about, I, think, I, I think Michael Mayer from Notre Dame Man, Michael Mayer to me 
is the first a, round. such a good player. Uh, Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid from Utah is a really, really good football player. You talk about that big tight end at Georgia. Musgrave. He only played two games. He got hurt. But he certainly stood out at the Senior Bowl. And then, you know, that tight end. At, I know the Saints value the Senior Bowl. <clears throat> and you look, too, um, man, does they have two better tight ends on one team than Georgia? You know, with Bowers and, and the big guy. You know, we were talking about how Kyle Pitts was picked fourth, and that was like the highest pick that had ever been used on a tight end. Brock Bowers is going to be right there next year. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you think about it uh, with Dornell Washington uh, from Georgia, Kincaid, um, uh, Tucker Kraft also uh, from South Dakota State, a uh, small college tight end who I think will go in the top 50. You Goddard got a, was from a was, – wasn't Goddard from South Dakota State? Yeah, and so right. – man, you, you got some tight ends in this draft class if that's where you want to hit on this. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this break. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870, Mike Detail along with Charlie Long. Uh, one of our texters uh, brought up the fact that uh, an ex-NFL vice president of officiating talked about maybe there would be a rule change. I think it will be brought up. The thing will it is, do you have enough votes to pass it? For that in, push play. For that push play in an offensive-oriented world of the NFL. And that's going to be the big question mark. Would you have enough? And, man, all of them. I think so many offensive-oriented coaches today, you know, they're pressing on the GMs and the people that run the league. Hey, listen, let's keep this play. Let's keep it there. Defenses will complain about the it. The defenses but how really would complain. Regulate that? You, I, I don't know. I really don't. But I, we'll go to a vote. So sixty nine forty two. He brought that up. I did see that article about one of the former officials saying that uh, he thinks uh, they're going to take a long look at it. It would have to go to a vote before we get passed. But I don't know if that's going to get enough votes to to have it passed. To be honest with you, we're going to go back to our Oakland Hard Jewelers talking text line. We're going to go to Tommy and Lakeview. Tommy in the huddle with Mike and Charlie. Hey, Mike. Hey, Charlie. Mike, um, this is kind of a technical question. I had a coach back in high school, uh, and he was our, our D.C., and he would try to teach us that the, the, the way the offensive line would um, react, depending on the co- play that was called, that's what the key was. In other words, if the line had popped up, even though if it was a draw play, um, it was a pass. Okay, and the way they covered that was they would release somebody, you know, like a tight end or something like that to block down the field. But if they fired out, it was definitely a run. Is that 
could that be a tell in the RPO situation where you said, you know, Jalen Hurts might stick the ball in, in, in the guy's gut and then everybody commits and then he, he just dumps the pass over the, you know, over the top. But is there a, a tell for the offensive line? Do they fire out as if they're run blocking or do they just pop up and, pass blocking? Yeah, it, it's a good question, Tommy. Uh, when we do all our camps – uh, it, it's all about eye vision, okay? It's it's about visualizing the quarterback because, okay, you, you can't cut your instincts as a defensive player. You want to get up the field, okay? You want to get up the field and make the tackle or, or to get involved in a play. Now, all of a sudden now, your instinct tells you, okay, he's sticking the ball in the belly of a running back, okay? Am I going to be patient enough to stay my ground where I'm at or am I going to commit and go toward the back? And you know, we try to teach in the camps that involve with is to be disciplined, eye disciplined on what you're seeing is not going to fool you. But, you know, it's hard to tell somebody whose first instinct is, I'm going to make that play. And he sees that ball deep in the belly of a running back and, and he, get it gets pulled out yep. at the last minute and he throws right over the top of you. I would not want to play linebacker today because if you're playing, especially in college football, it is really tough because they hide that really, really well. And all these designated runs by the quarterbacks also is also something they're trying to teach them discipline and getting in a lane and not leaving. Because uh, you saw it last year with LSU. A lot of guys committed. Oh, man, uh, Daniels is coming in this lane. And you stay there, but you overcommit left or right. All of a sudden, he runs right past you. It is really difficult to play linebacker today. It used to be all about stopping the run. Every once in a while, I'm in coverage. Today, I discipline, stop the run. But on third down, you got to be able to play in reverse. Either that or you run out of downs to play. But it, it is really one of the more difficult, and there is no tip-off to it. That quarterback makes that decision at that time what he wants to do with the football. A lot of time the lineman don't, doesn't know if he's going to keep it or throw it. Thanks so much for the call. It's a good question, Tommy. Appreciate it. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And LSU skipper Jay Johnson will be on with us right after this break here on the Big 870. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detaille along with Charlie Long. Bobby taking some time off. Uh, this week and on our Oakland Hard Jewelers talk and text line, the manager of the LSU Fighting Tigers baseball team, Jay Johnson. Jay, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. You go. How you guys doing tonight? All right, we're doing great, Jay. Uh, Jay, uh, as advertised, right? The man, the pitching, you scored 24 runs, but uh, I think the thing that really stuck out for Tiger fans. Uh, was the pitching. Uh, give up only five runs in three games. And uh, Paul Skeens, uh, as advertised, and he won the SEC Pitcher of the Week. And so uh, for a position, I know immediately after the season, you came on with us and made the comment that that has to be an area we have to get better at. Uh, that has to please you, uh, what you saw from you know, your pitching staff uh, total. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no doubt about it. I think, um, you know, when we evaluated where we were at the end of last year, it was simply having guys that were available to go deeper into games. And those guys did that this weekend uh, with uh, Paul and Riley Cooper. 
and it sure simplifies the game when you get that type of productivity out of your starter. So pleased to see that out of those guys and set us up well. Coach, you, you talked. we talked to you a couple of weeks ago about this, but you were saying how much starting pitching depth that you had. You had like six guys that could start any given game. So rolling out this opening weekend with Paul Skeens, Riley Cooper, and Chase Shores, were those guys that you just felt that confident in, or were those guys like you're just kind of getting a taste um, for how the pitching rotation would start to shape up as the season progressed? Well, we've had a little bit of a change since then. Um, you know, you're looking at Grant Taylor uh, went down with a season-ending injury. So that changed things a little bit for us. He was kind of a versatile guy who could have pitched at the end of the game, uh, definitely closer type stuff, but had a four-pitch mix and definitely could have started as well. So when he went down, we felt like it was best to look at Ty Floyd, who's perfectly capable of starting on Saturdays to go to the bullpen uh, because he had a lot of experience, has the ability to strike people out. And then probably since I talked to you guys, Riley Cooper just uh, continued to pitch very well against her own team and lineup, which we know is very formidable and uh, felt like he would slot good after Paul. Uh, it's a big adjustment for a team in a weekend series. And then Chase Shores, even as a freshman, has just come out and pitched great, you know, every time from, let's just say, October 10 on and, uh, felt like he earned it. It's not like we're drawing a name out of the hat. He's up to 99 miles an hour yesterday <laughs> and uh, yeah. throwing, throwing multiple pitches for strikes. So we like how it's set up, like how they executed. I think we gave up nine hits in three games. Um, they all had control of themselves and control of the strike zone and uh, really simplified the game. And so it was great, great start for the pitchers this weekend. Yeah, Coach, you're on the money. They they had nine hits and 86 at-bats, which equals out to a 105. Yeah, Jay, you average. take that, right? I think you take series? that any day of the week, right, Coach? Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coach, I have a question about the midweek games. Obviously, we have Southern coming up, this this upcoming game on Tuesday, tomorrow. So, it, are you going to kind of shuffle the midweek pitching starting rotation or are you going to? Do you have a guy in mind that you, you think every Tuesday or Wednesday that you have a game, this is the guy that I want out on the mound? Well, right now it's it's one game at a time. I mean, it's, we're not in the league play, and really all these all 26 non-conference games that you play kind of count the same. And uh, we're going to start Thatcher Hurd tomorrow, who we think, you know, I mean, he has every bit the chance of pitching on the weekend as well. Uh, we needed to do something relative to work with him and Coach Wes Johnson last week. So he really wasn't even available until Sunday because he threw a relatively intense bullpen last Thursday. <laughs> to work on some things and uh, we were able to get through yesterday with uh, Chase and Sam Dutton came in and did a good job, uh, Ty Floyd and Blake Money. So it allowed us to just leave Thatcher for Tuesday, um, which we like because he's definitely going to be a starter for us, whether that's Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, it leaves us the flexibility to do that. Now, if you move him into the week in rotation, I mean, there's a lot of other guys that can get the job done on a Tuesday and, We'll see how that goes because once you get into SEC play, it, it becomes a little different how you manage that. Coach, I remember this was a few years back. Uh, I had a friend of mine tell me, hey, listen, you got to come see this kid at Homer Christian High School in Homer. It's not far from where I live. And he says, listen, he ain't a football player, but you got to come see him. And, man, I see this little guy, man, he is spraying the ball all over the park. And I saw him do it this weekend in, in Gavin Dugas. So what he was six for eight, two home runs, a walk. And um, he had mostly played in, in the infield, 
Uh, I, I never saw him play in the outfield in, in high school. Uh, so that that kind of, uh, man, made me feel good about watching that guy. I, I don't know if he was in ninth grade at that time. Uh, he wasn't a real big kid, but my goodness, he could spray the ball all over the park. And he was so fast uh, once he once he got those legs rolling. And so, man, six for eight, great weekend start. Yeah, really happy for Gavin. Um, he's had a good uh, share of bumps in the road, yeah. uh, road since I've been here. I mean, he was not really healthy last year. Um, performed good when he was av- available to play last year. It was just a lot of in and out of lineup with like three or four different injuries and then uh, probably cost him getting drafted last year. And then uh, he wasn't having a very good fall. Um, thought he was swinging at pitches he shouldn't and missing by a lot. So I actually told him, you know, hey, I want to get your eyes checked out. And so we did that, and we found like this – he can explain it a lot better than me, but this real irregularity that was disrupting his vision, which he actually needed a procedure on. So we got that procedure done. Uh, he was out the back half of the fall. Uh, he was very limited in what he could do in December and January, then got cleared to do some stuff and then irritated it again. <laughs> and then, so, I mean, he only had like two weeks of it back Jeez. leading into the season. And uh, the weekend before last weekend, you could kind of start to see, Hey, this, this looks pretty good right now. And, um, you know, did a good job uh, getting himself prepared to play quickly. Uh, we didn't start him in the first game. We we're able to get him in there and he singled and then, he started game two um, with the leadoff homer and took a bunch of good ABs the whole weekend. So that's a big lift for our team if we get him at his best and um, really like the like the early returns and um, what Gavin's doing. And I'm, I'm happy for him because he's uh, persevered through a lot. Coach, does he say he sees the ball better? He does, yeah. Okay. He said it's almost like he almost had to learn it with uh, – Again, was having a little more clear uh, picture of it, which uh, I like the sound of that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, seems right. Like learned, seems like he's learning pretty quickly, so that's good for everybody. <laughs> Coach, he had a really good showing from true freshman designated hitter Jared Jones. I mean, listen, four for eight, three walks. He just got on base every time he got up to the plate. Basically, that's what you want to see out of your DH. But from a true freshman, I mean, that, that's you're pretty impressed with that opening weekend, right? Oh, for sure. He's a real talent. I mean, I, I call him like our version of Mark McGuire um, because I think Mark McGuire hit all those home runs, but he was very underrated as a hitter, you know, with a really good swing and approach. And, and Jared has all of those things and the power and how the ball comes off the bat really catches your eye, but uh, took really good at bats and uh, is going to be a staple here, you know, for us and super excited to have him for a couple more or this year and next year at least. Coach, the improvement you've seen, he's a tremendous player, but Trey Morgan, uh, he makes defensive plays, uh, I guess, almost look easy. And I know it's not, but he makes them look easy out there. And you see his speed, his instincts, his smarts out uh, on the field. And, uh, uh, you know, you just think about how much better can this guy get? Yeah, he's special talent as a first baseman. He uh, has unbelievable hand-eye coordination, which makes him a great hitter as well. But, man, he can really pick the ball at first base. He's quick. He's got lateral movement. Um, I kind of describe him as the most left-handed looking shortstop there possibly could be. And uh, he did it twice this weekend. Yeah, He made two, two diving stops and 
you know, it's great. And he's always been a good defender, but we really put a premium on defense uh, from the first day of school and really pleased with the whole team. Uh, we had three games of, of no errors, errorless baseball, and a really good start to the defensive identity we want to have as a team this year. Coach, uh, I was talking to a college head coach, and he tells me, yeah, he says, you know, uh, you know, as a football coach, uh, we always talk about how dominant um, – college football is in the sec but he said mike more and more i see it <laughs> that we don't hold that number one spot no more <laughs> it's sec baseball and <laughs> you just look at the talent across the board if it's you guys tennessee old miss a&m florida arkansas vanderbilt uh you don't see that in football to have that many teams as top 10 or 12 teams uh you know at one time, and it goes to show the the advancement of college baseball in the SEC. Uh, no question about it. I mean, I mean, you left uh, like Alabama has yep. a great rotation out. South Carolina, I mean, beat somebody like a hundred to one this weekend. Uh, they have a great starting rotation. Uh, Kentucky pitched really well this weekend. I mean, it's all for Missouri won two out of three in that you know really good tournament in Arlington. I think they beat Texas and TCU. So I mean, it's you know, every team um, in our league, I believe, is capable of making the College World Series. And that just tells you the depth of it and uh, the great players and, and coaches and programs. And uh, Skip Bertman, you know, here probably started it by, you know, getting LSU to invest in baseball and showed what was possible. And then everybody uh, copied, you know, that model. And so, um, yeah, it's it's the best league in the country by far. And Feel like I have a unique perspective on that by, you know, being out west. Yeah, the Pac-12 and played a ton of Big 12 teams and Big 10 teams, and now being out here and and doing it for a full season last year, there's there's no comparison. Coach, growing up, I remember you know Ron Polk in Mississippi State, and then when Skip came here, man, he took it to another level, and everybody wanted to kind of take that pattern and say that's exactly what I want to do in the SEC. And he's he's really meant. Uh, you think about what Bear Bryant uh, did for college football uh, in the SEC, and and Skip did that certainly for college baseball. And Polk with oh, no it, and Polk kind of no ran question. with it a little before him. Yeah, no question. Like I mean, he is, in my opinion, the we'll just call him the Nick Saban of college baseball or the John Wooden of college baseball. He's the best college baseball coach of all time. When you think about the championships. Uh, what he did here to build this program into what it is. And uh, it's so awesome from a personal standpoint uh, to get to spend time with them. Like I had lunch with them earlier today. And, man, we really broke down the whole weekend in full. And, I mean, I'm sitting there at his kitchen table going, like, man, I'm a really lucky guy to be able to sit here and have this relationship with him. And uh, certainly grateful for him and, and the time I get to spend with him now. Coach, Mike was kind of alluding earlier to, like, the talent in the SEC one talented guy that you brought in, Tommy White. LSU fans saw one oh, pitch from man. the guy, and there was an RBI single before this, the freak incident with first base sliding back into the bag. I know that you gave an update a couple of days ago saying that it wasn't as serious as you know maybe it looked, but is there any more concrete information that you have on Tommy White's injury? Yeah, I think we're moving in a really good direction. Uh, matter of fact, he came down to the end of the dugout yesterday. <laughs> Uh, when it was one to one in like the fourth inning, and now we had hit a bunch of balls hard early in that game yesterday. Yeah. Like, 
I wasn't too worried that we were going to score, but you know, it was like, it was the first time where, you know, maybe the game was in doubt a little bit. And he's like, coach, I'm, I'm ready. I can pinch it today. If, if you need me. And I mean, he had a spike on Jersey tucked in, like kind of moving around. And I appreciated that attitude. So I, I don't think it'll be long. Uh, we'll see how he feels tomorrow when he shows up at the ballpark, but I would expect uh, we'll have him in some capacity here pretty soon. Coach, uh, thanks so much for joining us. And listen, uh, if you get a phone call from a guy that sounds like Skip or Paul Maneri, just make sure it's not Jacques Doucet. Because, man, that dude, <laughs> he got him down, Coach. Uh, uh, you next on the list. But, boy, th- does he have the voice pattern down on both of them. Hey, that's that's two great coaches. So I could <laughs> see why anybody would want to impersonate them because they're two of the best of all time. Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it, brother. All right, guys. Have a great night. Thanks, All righty. Uh, manager of the LSU Fighting Tigers, number one ranked, uh, Jay Johnson. And, uh, man, thrilled to have him on today. Uh, got a game tomorrow against Southern and then the Round Rock Tournament. Cranking like I was up. saying, Mike, you can't ask for much more from that opening weekend. That was awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you could say, eh, man, I wish they'd have swung. The- man, they hit the ball hard. Especially yesterday, I saw some of the game, and they but they hit it a lot right at people. Yeah, and it made the catch. That's baseball, but that that's just the way it is. But uh, no, you couldn't really ask for too much more than what you saw this weekend out of the LSU baseball team to start the season. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big Eight Seventy right after this break. We finish up here in the five o'clock hour. On Sports Talk on the Big 870, Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Hey, I want to tell everybody, log in and listen to WWL for your chance to win Stevie Nicks tickets. That's right. You can wear a pair of tickets to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Stevie Nicks, April 2nd at the Smoothie King Center. All you got to do is log in and listen. For every hour that you listen now through February 28th, you can earn an additional entry. The more you listen, the more chances to win. Let's go. Log in and listen and win. Stevie Nicks tickets from WWL. Also, tomorrow's game, uh, because of our Mardi Gras coverage, won't be on WWL. Starts at 2 o'clock. You can hear it on WWL. Uh, LSUsports.net also it's uh, the game is streamlined on SEC Network Plus so uh, it won't be on WWL because of our uh, Mardi Gras coverage here on the Big 870 but uh, LSU and Southern play tomorrow and starting time is 2 p.m. And that's your herds pitching. Yeah, and that's it's gonna be a nice first look at the new uh, the new pitcher for the Tigers. Yeah, we we saw one uh, quick look at um, at one new pitcher. He looked pretty good, right? In yeah, Skeens was awesome, man. But Hurd was Hurd was one of those guys. I think for me, when I was covering last summer, like all these moves in the transfer portal, Hurd was the guy that I was most excited for. The numbers that he put up at UCLA before he got injured were eye popping as a freshman, and then the injuries. So now we'll see. How well he's progressed from that, and it's our first look at it yep. uh, with him now. Um, and I think it's good to to play him midweek. Yeah. Not, not all of a sudden to throw him up against a top, uh, say, ranked team, but a midweek game where you maybe can limit the innings that he pitches. There's that, and then they're also playing at Texas next Tuesday. So. And that might be a catch there right? Uh, with that also. We'll be back. Hey, Jimmy, hold on. We'll be right back with more sports talk here on the Big 870.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.